Welcome back. It's Howl History again. It is the off-season, so that means the Timberwolves are no longer playing, but that doesn't mean there isn't a lot to talk about. I'm Derek, I'm here with Chad, and we're going to start diving into the other teams throughout the league today, and we're going to start with the Southeast Division and do a, a deep dive into each team, take a look at where they might match up with the Timberwolves in terms of free agents or trade prospects or what they're looking like heading into the offseason as well. So Chad, how are you doing today? Good, how are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. We got to go through a draft lottery without any stress, so that was nice. Uh, nothing to, to worry about there, and here we're just we're rolling in it. I was so un tethered to the draft or to the, the draft lottery um, lottery yeah that yeah. i only know who got who got the first pick i maybe the first two picks i i know that what are the wolves are 19th through yep wolves are the 19th pick so the if you didn't hear the draft lottery went with went with uh orlando number one which is where they were expected to fall in the worst record and then oklahoma city number two houston number three and sacramento jumped up to number four so that means detroit fell to number five Okay, yeah, so I, I maybe I saw all of them at some point, but the only ones I remembered was Orlando one and OKC two. So kind of a kind of a weird experience. I, we were kind of texting back and forth about it, but it's weird that the lottery has such little significance to me. Yeah, because it's normally you know like like we both said in, via text when we were younger, it was like must see TV. Wasn't so much that the last few years, but I definitely was like checking Twitter for it. I literally didn't care about any of it this no, year. Like, no, I, no, no. and it's not anything to do with the players. It's just that it's such an insignificant part of the Wolves' uh, opportunity to get better this year. Yeah, the only rooting interest heading in was just you wanted as many Eastern Conference teams in the top three as possible. But you know, we got one. We got Orlando at number one. But I think with the the kind of consensus is there are any one of three players that could go in that spot. So it's not like it's a it's one guy and then a drop off. So sure, uh, we'll, we'll get more into that. But um. As we start taking a look at the Timberwolves offseason and what their their targets might look like, it would behoove us to bring up the fact that there might be a new lead decision maker uh, making those decisions, as the Timberwolves were rumored to be in serious discussions with uh, Denver's Tim Connolly for a president role and perhaps an ownership stake in the franchise. So nothing serious yet, but uh, if they're looking to bring in a, a top five uh, basketball decision maker in the league and put somebody ahead of Gupta... I think there's been a large consensus, especially from the Denver uh, contingent, that Connolly is one of those guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw that short list of four or five names that has been kind of going around this week, and uh, frankly, all the names. I'm the Daryl Morey shine yeah. is kind of gone. I want me. nothing to do with Morey. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of lost, which is weird because just maybe two years ago he was like my favorite, mm-hmm. um, but he's lost a lot for me. But the rest of the names are all names I was like, okay. I mean, I, I like Gupta. I would like to see Gupta get just kind of get the full time. But then when I saw those names, I'm like, all right, I guess I, if we can actually make one of those names happen, I'd be cool with that. You know, like, so that's kind of it's kind of exciting just that we're in the play for a name like that. So it's hard to like, I guess, you know, say anything too negative about it. But, you know, it's because it's like how much how much of the success of the season do we attribute to Gupta and how much do we attribute to Rosas um, and how much do we just attribute to Finch, you know, making the most out of what he had. Like, I still think there are, you know, as we've already covered certain question marks about some of the players that we, we brought in. And so a lot of the success may or may not, depending on, you know, your opinion on it, uh, you know, fall at the feet of Chris Finch. So um, I, it's hard to say that Gupta, to me, Gupta would be third on that list in terms of, you know, the success that we've had, like who, who gets the credit for it. I think it's a, some sort of the order would be some, either Rosas or Finch and then Gupta third mm-hmm. as a distant third of those three. So while I like Gupta and I think he has a, lot, a bright future and it would be totally cool with him being the guy, I also would be totally cool with one of these other names being the guy. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think most people would be okay with Gupta getting a chance. It's, and that's not to say that he has far and away earned the chance. Like, we just don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We know that right. he played a role in calming things down after Rosas left. We know they played a role in the Patrick Beverly extension. There, there's not a large resume of things that we on the outside can point to for for what he impacted. So exactly. anybody that's going to come in and say, like, Gupta got, Gupta got the shaft if we hire somebody else, they just don't really know. Like, 
So I, I don't want to go too far and say that he this should be his job already. I'm not. A, I don't think that there's any problem with them looking at other options. Um, there are very few guys that I think I would say outside of the situation that they're in, I would say they're going to succeed anywhere. You know, Pat Riley is going to be one of those guys because Pat Riley is going to draw people. Pat Riley is a name. He's a franchise unto himself. You know, I think um, Ujiri has earned that in Toronto as well with the work he did first in Denver, you know, and then moving up to Toronto as well. He, He can execute a vision. He can take a team and make them successful every single year. So I think those are really the only two that I'd say that I would not have any doubts that if they came in, they wouldn't, that they'd be succeed. You know, um, Presti has a lot of, you know, cachet throughout the league. Um, Connolly also does, you know, I, I wouldn't be as excited about Maury either, but, um, so I think there are some guys that you would put a good bet on, you know, on what they'd be able to do and what they've done in their resume. But, um, but I think yeah. for me too, the, the concern when I heard they were looking for, somebody else you know was that does that undo all the good stuff that finch has done does it make finch make his position a little more rocky like is he on a shorter leash then and i think most of the names they're guys that can kind of come from the same tree that finch comes from so that i think there would still be that whether it's the houston denver connection um i think finch would still probably be the the preferred coach for three or four out of those, those names yeah. anyway. Yeah. So, so I think that, you know, we have a lot of faith in fans. You don't want a guy with, with too much power throughout the organization, you know, kind of like in a Tibbs role, but you know, we're really leaning heavy on Finch moving forward. So let's just discuss the state of the roster as we head into this off season. They have four open roster spots, which means they have 11 names who are currently under contract for the upcoming year. And that includes guys like Nas and Noel who have, team options, you know, kind of heading into it. But let's just assume they're on the roster heading forward. Um, we don't have any cap space, which is not a surprise to anybody with where we've operated the last couple of years. But we're about 20, just over $26 million, uh underneath the luxury tax, even accounting for pick number 19 in the first round and in, in the spot that that's in. So um, we have more flexibility heading into this offseason and the, and the following season than we have had the past couple of years based on where Rosas has kind of put us right up against that luxury tax or over it even a few years ago. Um just, you know, as we consider taking a look at the different free agents, they have the, the mid-level exception to spend, which is just over $10 million, is about $10.35 million. Um, and the base annual exception, or biannual exception, exception, sorry, is just over $4 million. And that's something that a team can use every couple of years. Most teams don't, it's it's odd that most teams don't end up actually using that. Um, I think there was only one team that actually used it that last year. But if the Timberwolves, since they don't have any cap space, and they if they don't make any, you know, trades... They're really the only avenue they have for bringing on players above the minimum are those two exceptions. So, you know, they could do both of those, be at, you know, 13 players, pick make pick number 19, use one of their second round picks and have the roster filled out and still be well under the luxury tax. So everything's staying the same without making any trades or any significant changes. The Wolves have the ability to, to have the flexibility that they need to use those exceptions. Um, so like I said, they have pick number 19. Uh, they also have picks number 40, 48, and 50 in the second round, which I don't think anybody would expect them to walk away with four rookies on the roster next year. Um, just like the NFL, I, I found it interesting. I saw the uh, tweet by Wolves Clips. Um, there are NBA pick uh, trade value charts. Um, so the expectation is that Kevin Pelton has one. He said picks number 19 and 40 would ultimately get you value to move up to pick number 15. Uh, picks and uh, there was a guy with last name Goldstein. I don't know who this is, but he has a chart that says 1940 would get you all the way up to 12. So something to consider as we take a look at these other teams where they're sitting in the draft and whether or not you know it might be worth moving up to you know to get a, another big guy or a target. Um, I don't think either of us have really delved into the specific prospects yet, but as we start taking a look at the draft, if there's a guy around the 12, 13, 14 range that we'd be interested in, that that might be a consideration. Sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. And I think what gets dicey is when you're talking, whether it's 12, 15 or 19, like so many things could change in the draft. Once you get to that pick, I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago, right? When we had traded Dario to move up to go and get Darius Garland. And then, you know, Cleveland throws a curveball and takes their sets a, a second point guard, you know, back to back years. And so that left the walls with Jared Culver. I think, that becomes even more of a risk by trading up before the draft. Yep. Just because you have no idea who's going to be available at 12, 15, or anything. Like the guy you want 
that you think you might have to trade up to 12 could very easily be available at 19 still. So you don't even have to give up that second round pick, which admittedly is not like a ton of value anyway to this team right now. We're in our position, you know, like those second round picks, it's those first couple that are always the most valuable because that's where you get the Euro player that's not coming over for two or three years. Um, you know, once you get to that, like the 40th pick, it's a, it's sort of a crapshoot anyway. So, yeah, no, I hear that. I mean, the, the only reason you'd include picks in a trade before draft day or even before draft night would be if you're trying to make the values equal on a larger deal. Right. So, um, but let's get started. We're going to start, like I said, we're going to start in the Southeast division. Uh, we'll go worst to first, which means we're starting with the Orlando magic and the, the worst record in the NBA and the number one overall pick. So, um, they're looking like they've got a lot of prospects, a lot of guys kind of stacked up at different, uh, different positions with, you know, kind of needing some depth at others. Um, that number one pick might make things more interesting for them. I'm not sure if there's a way that it matches up with the Wolves, but let's take a look. So at, at point guard, they're kind of stacked. They got they have Markel Fultz, who came over from Philadelphia a couple of years ago. They still have Cole Anthony. Uh, they got just drafted Jalen Suggs last year, although I suppose he could slide up to shooting guard if he needed him to. Um, RJ Hampton is another small guard, though he's more of a scorer than a facilitator. So they have a bunch of small guards in their backcourt. They've got Franz Wagner, um, who I suppose has to play small forward for them, although I believe he's more of a a power forward body, but they're just going to kind of be a big team. Um, Jonathan Isaac is still on the roster, even though we haven't heard from him in a couple of years due to injury. Uh, Chuma Okeke is kind of a bench guy that showed up a little bit more this year. They've got Mo Wagner, although I don't think he's a, I think he's on a non-guaranteed contract, so I doubt we'd see him back next year. Wendell Carter is kind of, fi- you know, fixed at center. And then, you know, Mo Bamba was there last year. He's a, he's a restricted free agent. Um, and then, like I said, they got that number one overall pick. So, uh, Chad, who would you see on that roster being kind of untouchables for, for Orlando, kind of a long-term core of that team? Uh, well, Cole Anthony, number one. I think that's the the guy there. Um, you think Cole he, Anthony is their top guard prospect? I think so. More than Suggs and Fultz? Yep. I, I actually do. think I, he's a, the third most important of those three really? players. Yeah, yeah I, I actually think he's first with a bullet. I don't even think the other two are – I think the other two are both tradable for them right now, to be honest. I think Suggs is less tradable than – Fultz, yeah. but I think Suggs is a guy that they. I don't want to say disappointed. I don't think they're. I'm, I'm not. I don't think disappointed is the right thing. I just. I think Cole Anthony emerged as a potential franchise guard for them. Like he could be. Not saying he'll be the number one player on a title contender, mm-hmm. but I'm saying he's in that top three. Um, and I don't think anybody else on that team fits that. Right now, I mean, I think Suggs potentially has potential, but I, I even long term, I don't see Suggs as one of the big three. I, th- I see him as a starting five player on a cha- uh, contending team. Yeah, um, I just don't see him as a big three. And I think Cole Anthony. I'm not saying Cole Anthony is that yet. I think Cole Anthony has shown potential to actually maybe be one of those top three guys. So, so I, it's interesting. I thought, I, I guess I didn't think that would be that controversial <laughs> as a. Uh, an opinion that that maybe uh, you would have agreed. So it's interesting. You, you, you see him as third, huh? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think they just invested in Suggs. So I think they've got a, a large investment there, especially with his defensive potential. And I think that even though his contract is significantly larger than the other two, Fultz was the only one of the three who actually made the team better when he was on the floor last year. Um, I think Anthony played very well against Minnesota. So there's a good you know feeling as a Minnesota fan to want to say that he's uh, much more valuable than he truly is. But I, I I don't know. I don't see a good finisher. I don't see a guy who's a consistent three-point shooter, even though he can get hot at times. Um, and I don't necessarily see him as a defender either. So um, I'd say he's just kind of a, a small guard, a small microwave guard that I wouldn't really put a lot of investment in. But Yeah, it's, and what's interesting is I didn't, I'm not even basing any of the Cole Anthony on what he did against the Wolves. I, I'm actually almost exclusively basing it off the things I've read around the Orlando, you know, some of yeah. the Orlando writers and stuff and just kind of what their thoughts on them. You know, I think that's why I said it with Suggs. I kind of felt like, like I said, I didn't want to say he was disappointing to them, but I, I think he largely had a pretty um, unimpactful season yeah. as a high draft pick. So yeah, while they invested him, they also invested in Cole Anthony the year before. I mean, it wasn't like he was, Nothing. He was the 15th pick or something. I don't know. Right. Mid round, first yeah. round pick. So, um, but I mean, I think Cole Anthony was their, you know, he 
I mean, scored more. He dished out more assists. Was a better rebounder. Um, I don't. I just think he was. I mean, yeah, I, he's not the defensive player Suggs is. I actually saw Cole Anthony as not a negative on defense though either. Um, and yeah, I get Fultz was the one that contributed to winning mm-hmm. for whatever that means on a crappy team, but it's like he it was a smaller sample size when he came in. He also had the most experience. Um, you know, all those things kind of worked in his favor. So I, I don't put a ton of stock into that on any situation, but specifically this one. Yeah. Um, when you're, you're, you're three guys kind of fighting for the same position, it's kind of hard to like, you know, some of that kind of goes, it's like D'Lo. D'Lo contributed more to winning than many of our guys on the Wolves. But like the eye test watching it, you're like, okay, well, was he our best player? No. Like, was he our second best? No. Was he our third best? Not very often. Right. <laughs> so it's right. like, um, it's that, that kind of situation for them, I think, as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I, just bringing it back to the Untouchables, I, I, I'd put Carter, Carter Jr. and Wagner in there as well. The, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, yeah, yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. get around to the last one. But, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I wouldn't say – I wouldn't even say Carter is untouchable. I would say Wagner is for sure. Yeah. Carter is closer close to untouchable. I don't – look, when you're as bad as Orlando is, I don't know that there's many untouchable guys on the roster, right? Like, I I could see them saying, oh, well, player X becomes available, and – to get him, we're going to need to put in some young players with potential. I think Wendell Carter would definitely be somebody that would consider moving to get a star player. Yeah, and I could see them consolidating some of their prospects for one bigger name player. But at the same time, I don't necessarily see them as a team that's close enough to contending to have any reason no. to trade a guy like Carter. You no, know, it would be more like a, like if they could get, a say, a Collins out of Atlanta or a um, shoot, uh, Miles Turner, for example. Somebody mm-hmm. like that. They, they said, okay— well, we think they're better. They're still young. They're still somebody we could build around, and we think they have a bit brighter future than Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, yeah, I could see them adding Carter in a deal for a guy like that. Yeah, no, I hear that. Uh, you know, I think taking a look at what they need, they they need wings. You know, some clear wings. You know, Wagner seems a little bit too big for a small forward. Suggs seems a little bit too small for a shooting guard. So they've got the players to play in those positions, and I, I don't think. Wagner is going to have a chance to move up to power forwarding time soon because whether or not they take Holmgren or they take Smith or they take Mancaro, they're going to take a big, you know, with, with this first overall pick. Um, so he's going to be stuck kind of at the small forward position. So they're going to let, need to let him facilitate from that spot and, and kind of roam around in the perimeter more so than down low, kind of take that, that uh, Cleveland Cavaliers model um, approach with it. But at the same time, there's, there's not necessarily a position that they need. Um, although, that doesn't mean there isn't still some opportunity for the Timberwolves as we as we take a look at the roster. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, we haven't really mentioned Mo Bamba because he is a restricted free agent. There are lots of people who aren't Mo Bamba fans. I think he got better this year. He was especially bad the first few years of his career, but his improved, you know, a shooting range, the ability to, you know, be a shot blocker, I think give him some value, especially as we look at the from the Timberwolves point of view to have a different type of center on the roster. Um, I'm not exactly sure if he would sign with a different team for the mid-level, because that's kind of right at um, his restricted free agency number with Orlando. So if he, if he wanted to play for 10 million next year, he could just sign that, that one year qualifying offer with Orlando and stay there um, and then go for a bigger offer the next year. But, you know, if a team threw, you know, three thirty at him, maybe he'd be, he'd be more interested in that. I also don't know if that's the first place I'd go with my mid-level exception, but um, it's one name to consider. Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about him throughout the years, but um, he's a guy I would like. I think he solves a lot of needs for us. I mean, they have a handful of bigs I, I like. So, like, you know, whether it's a trade or free agency, you know, they're I mean, they're a target team because, like you said, they're going to be adding a big with their first pick, and they already have – that's already a position of strength, I yep. feel like, for them. Like you said, they don't, they don't really need any one position but they could improve on any of the positions. Like they're, they don't have like a surefire star at any of the positions either. I don't feel like. Yeah. Um, and so like any of them could be, you know, packaged together to, like you said, consolidate into a actual bona fide star, you know, like sort of like what Indiana did to get Halliburton. I, I could see them doing in Orlando to get a player, you know, somebody it's like, look, Halliburton was one year in and already got traded. So I could see them making a deal like that with another team, in a similar position as they are mm-hmm. just trying to like, you know, another team maybe 
consolidating a area of strength to get a different position as well. Yeah, like the wolves. I mean, the wolves are even in that. Yep. You know, we could consolidate one of our guards or a couple of our guards to get a big right. Like if if we were to to move a Beasley for a Isaac or something with them, I could see I that straight up. I don't see Orlando doing, but I could see that kind of a rationale. Yeah, and and I didn't spend a lot of time on Isaac before the lottery. I didn't think that was that was really a consideration for them. It it is more of an opportunity now that they have a chance to bring in somebody to play alongside Carter. You know, Holmgren would probably play the power forward in that position, and then both Smith and Boncaro are power forwards. So um, they're going to be like you said, Wagner kind of is as well. Yeah, so. so they're they're loaded at that position. They don't necessarily need Isaac anymore, especially with how unreliable he's been the last couple of years and kind of the spot he's put himself in with some of his political views. He's not exactly the most popular guy around the league right now. Um, I don't, there was a lot of clamoring for Isaac earlier in his career. That's a perfect power forward to put next to cat. Um, I don't like, like you said, I don't know what they'd be asking for him at this point with his, his value possibly being slightly lower. I don't know if I would pay it. Um, especially with, you know, having Jaden already, um, to kind of play that role, to be a shot blocking thin forward, uh, you know, the 3-4 the combo guy. You know, we don't want Jaden playing a lot of power forward, but putting Isaac at the power forward isn't going to solve your, solve your rebounding problems either. So um, it wouldn't he wouldn't be at the top of my list anymore, although he might have been at some point in the past. The other guy I like there that I don't know what your opinion is because I don't think we've ever talked about him, and I don't know how gettable he'd be either, but I, I really like Bull Bull. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, he doesn't. He's not the brawny guy that I've been talking about. I want for this team. Yeah. Um, but I think he's more than just a shot blocker as well. Like, I think he's got impressive handles for a guy that's seven foot two. I think he, um, I don't know. He just, like, when you see him play, and I'll get, I get that most of the minutes were either in summer league play or in, you know, very s- small sample sizes. He seems to make things happen whenever he's on the floor, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I don't know exactly how he even fits with the Wolves. I just it's just a guy like when you see a guy that makes things happen in the limited amount of minutes they get, I like him. You know, and like I, like I, and I think he'd be relatively cheap to get. I yeah. don't think they'd be asking a, a ton to, to give him. And you know, like what, what I mean again, it doesn't work because they don't need another big. Like, but what, would you trade Nas for Bobo? Like, I think they offer different things. Yeah. I, uh, at, at this point, I don't think I would, um, as well, much as I've been down on Nas. I was yeah, say, yeah. I, that shocks me because I thought I think Nas has, even though he does not offer what I'm looking for out of that position, I think he has been he has proven far and away to be the more valuable on court NBA players between the two of them so far. Bull offers more potential. I'll agree with you on that. It just, I think I'd, unless I was bringing in a different center and I could leave Bull in a a project sort of phase and not have to rely on him. I don't think I'd rely on him as being, as being my backup center. Okay. So, uh, let's see, finishing that, they've got Terrence Ross expiring. I don't think he's going to hold a lot of value to the wolves unless for some reason we move Beasley and don't get a different shooter back. Uh, Gary Harris is a, is a free agent heading into this off season. He's another guy who showed a little bit of a, of, of signs, you know, or a little bit more of a flash of, of offensive skill as the year wound down his shooting had really fallen off the cliff the last few years, which was unfortunate from his early days in Denver. Um, but he's a good defensive guard. He could be in an interesting, you know, value play there. Um, and then they're, they're at pick 32. So, you know, I could see some position where the, where the Wolves are trying to grab a couple of their second round picks and you, you know, not make all three picks, but move up into the second round. So it just depends on what's, what it's looking like draft night. But, um, Orlando's a weird team. And I suppose we kind of skipped over the, the large part of the conversation with the wolves of who who would we consider to be our trade assets because the the hardest part i came up with when i kept looking for specific trade ideas is that yeah we'd talk about a delo trade or yeah we would talk about a malik beasley trade but except for that we don't have a lot of guys on this roster who are willing to trade right now unless it's a clear upgrade at that position you know we're not going to throw vanderbilt or Jaden mcdaniels in a, in a deal we don't feel like they need to be quote unquote moved you know bev is probably the third most likely guy because he's only on a one-year contract and he's a veteran but i don't think anybody really wants to trade pat bev right now um, unless you're getting a clear replacement for him as a, as a defensive guard and then 
you know, you, all the way down the roster, your next most tradable guys are Noel and Nas if you're getting somebody back in their place, but they're in minimum contracts, so they're not really going to make up the, the difference there. So is there anybody else on the roster besides, you know, really besides Beasley and Beverly, or not Be- Beverly, Beasley and uh, D'Lo that you consider to be significant trade ships for the Wolves? Significant? No. Um, I mean, I think that's the key word, because you only have probably four guys total on the roster that yeah. are significant. I wouldn't even consider Beverly a significant trade piece because no but at 13 million he can make a lot of trades work that sure, you can't without him you, that, that can, you can make deals work but yeah. I mean like look we gave up Culver to get him like is yeah that so like Beverly's value quote-unquote as a player is not necessarily super valuable as a trade ship but we don't I mean like once you move past Beasley's 15.5 million like we've got nothing down to the 1.9 million right. dollar range well, that's what I mean yeah. and I don't even think I actually think Beverly as a player is more valuable than his 13 million because I think Beverly's worth more than 13 million to the right team mm-hmm. like not Orlando yeah um so I yeah I don't think there's I mean we we're a top heavy contract team so we have four or five really big contracts and the rest are nothing yeah <laughs> so I think that's why I threw out Nas in a bowl bowl. Or mm-hmm. a, I could see a Jalen Noel. Like another guy I like on the Orlando team is Chumo Chumo Kiki as a guy that fits this team. He's a he's a little bit of an undersized power forward, but I like the way he plays. Like his aggression and stuff would be the type of play style I would like. Yeah. Um I want to get bigger, not smaller, so he's not a perfect fit. But if we're we're talking about Orlando, so you know. Of guys I would have any interest in, he'd be one. And I could see a Jalen Noel for Okiki type of move. But again, those aren't, I don't think they're significant coming back, going out or coming back in terms of, you know, the grand scheme of things. So, yes. um, I mean, so the hard part for the Wolves is that unless there's a team that's really guard needy, we don't have a lot to offer. We don't have many wings to, you know, big wings to offer. We don't have many bigs to offer, you know, and but the good thing is it's a guard driven league. So you'd rather be a, you know, have a lot of assets at the guard position than a lot of assets at the big position. Cause I think Orlando's in a trickier situation with all those bigs. Like there's only so many teams are even, cause not, none of their bigs are like three point shooters, which is all teams really look for now. Mm-hmm. Um, or that are willing to pay a premium for anyway. Um, so they're in a tricky spot, I think in terms of unloading some of those bigs, unless they're taken back, just a better version of one of those guys. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, they're trying to upgrade. You know, there's not a lot that the Wolves can really offer. I mean, you could you could do D'Lo for Fultz and a Bomba side and trade, but, you know, how much of a stomach does anybody have for that? You know, and Beasley for Fultz straight up, I suppose, if you really wanted to add another point guard to our roster, but they don't need another point guard, and we don't really have any big guards or small, you know, big wings to, to offer them. Yeah. So, I don't so know. Yeah. them would be... Depending on us making another move with a different team yeah, first. Yeah. So, all right, let's move on to the Washington Wizards. Uh, they are coming in uh, with the 10th pick in the upcoming draft. So a little bit outside of that range of trading up just using our picks. But uh, they are one of those guard needy teams. They've got Ish Smith and a non-guaranteed contract as the only point guard on their roster right now. And Bradley Beal kind of as the only shooting guard. Uh, guaranteed to be on the roster. They do have Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who's on a, a non-guaranteed deal for this coming, upcoming season, but I can't see any reason why they wouldn't pick up that option um, for about $15 million, since he had a, a pretty successful year for them after coming over from the Lakers. They've got a lot of big uh, prospects, you know, big younger guys that they've invested over the last couple of years. They've got Avdia, they've got Ruchi Hachimura, uh, Daniel Gafford. We've seen him, you know, kind of play really well against Minnesota the last couple of years. They just traded for Przingis. They got Kuzma coming over from the Lakers last year in the Russell Westbrook deal. So um, lots of bigs that they're trying to figure out exactly how they fit together and how to cycle through. Um, it's unfortunate for them that they never really got to see Beal and Porzingis play together after they made that deal. So they don't really have a good feel for their roster heading into next year. Um, but if we're looking for a team that is willing to move a big for a guard, that might be a, an option. Yeah, I mean, the contracts, again, will be the tricky thing, right? I mean, I, you know, I think you could get a Kuzma for a, a Beasley type of a deal. But, and I, like, you know, I threw it out in the last episode talking about, you know, if you're really hell-bent on moving D'Lo, mm-hmm. I think D'Lo is a good fit for Washington. Um, whether they keep Beal or not, I think he's a good fit. And I think Porzingis solved a lot of the things the Wolves have issues with right now. Um, I, 
I, I'm still higher on Przingis than a lot of people are. I mean, a lot of people have just given up on him. And I think it's a little weird because I still I don't think he's a bad player, even what he's done. And I, I, and I think I think it was you that we talked about last time about the um, whether or not it's still him coming back from an injury or this just who he is. Um, and if he is just who he is, I think it's similar value to what Delo is at his contract. Right. Like and so I'm not saying I'd, I'd want to make that move Delo for Porzingis, but yeah. if it's a straight up move. And that's the big we can get back without giving up Jaden. I'd rather take, I'd rather trade Delo straight up for Porzingis than trade Delo and Jaden for Turner or Collins or one of these other guys we've talked about. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I think unfortunately for for that prospect is the only people who think higher of Kristaps Porzingis than you do are the people in Washington. I think they've uh, kind of locked themselves into that one a little bit. And I mean, from every article I've read, every quote that I've seen, you know, at the end of last season, heading into this upcoming off season. Is they're very high in Porzingis, you know, and yes, it can all be, you know, political, you know, maneuvering in order to try to increase value or whatever happens to be. But um, I think they were excited about that trade. I think they traded two pieces that they didn't see working for them at all, and they see him, you know, alongside Beal as a good fit. Um, so if I'm taking a look at possible deals with them, knowing what type of front office they've had in the past, knowing that they, except for getting rid of Russell Westbrook at the right time, have largely been a a swing for the fences that's just put names together type franchise. Um, the only real deal I see making sense that could work for both teams is something along the lines of D'Lo for KCP and Kuzma, kind of the reverse Westbrook deal. Um, I know that D'Lo only has one year left, so it's not like a long-term answer for them giving them a big three, but KCP is unexpiring. If you pick up his option, Kuzma is extension el- eligible, so you'd have one year to figure out exactly what you're looking at from him. Um, so whether or not you can also swap the 19 for the 10 and move up in the draft or, you know, what their value is of D'Lo at that, at that spot, it would be more of a, we're going to give you your starting point guard, you're going to have your big three, and we're going to increase the depth and the quality role, role players around our big two. You know, and if, if that's a, the route they want to go, that wouldn't be bad. I'm not saying I'm advocating for it, um, but if they want to break up that contract into multiple pieces, that wouldn't be a bad way. Yeah, I mean, and that doesn't do a lot for me personally. I'm not... I'm not as sold on KCP. I'm more, I'm more of like over KCP as a player than I am Porzingis by, by far. And I get it. Their, their uh, stars were a little bit different levels. Like obviously Porzingis was thought of much higher at one point than KCP ever was, but I just, he is what he is at this point. So I'm not as intrigued by that. Even if the, if they were to trade the 10 for the 19 as part of that deal, that would be the only way to get me even in the conversation. Uh, but I still think ultimately I'd pass and just, you know, look for the next potential deal for D-Lo. Yeah. I mean, otherwise they've, they've had a few bigs, like I said, probably, you know, they're, they're young bigs. Like Hachimari and Avdi are probably too valuable for us to really go after. Um, yeah. And, and at the contracts that they're at, I mean, I yeah. like both those guys. Like I would make, like if, if they call this and made an offer for them, I would definitely take that call um, unless it included Jaden or, you know, right. Right. You know, a similar deal. I would rather keep Jaden than either of those guys, but I do like both of them as well. So. Yeah. I like Gafford, but once again, his contract is pretty small. Um, Thomas Bryant is a free agent. So we've seen him have some success in the past, although I don't think his on-court numbers are what you'd kind of like them to be. Um, so I, it's, like I said, they have lots of bigs. I need to kind of figure out what to do with them. There might be something for the Timberwolves to play around the edges with there. Um, they have less bigs than they did before they dealt away uh, Montrezl Harrell to Charlotte last year when they were kind of trying to figure out how to roster three centers at the same time. But um, I think if, if they trade Beal for some other star player and not at a guard position mm-hmm. and they're looking to replace some of that three-point shooting, I think it could be interesting in a Beasley for Kuzma Sure. Deal because yeah. Kuzma can hit some threes for us coming back and plays at a, would be playing at a position more needed. And that also depends on what we do with like Prince. And um, because I don't think Kuzma really solves the the issue of Vando at power forward either um, for me. I, I think he, he might be the better offense player for sure, but he creates more problems than, you know, I don't think he's a better rebounder, like those types of things. So, you know, it, that would be something I'd be open to if yeah. we were to move, move on from Korean Prince, but 
positional fit, I can see how that would make sense. We might need a guy like Kuzma more than we need a Beasley next year. The only thing that worries me is that Kuzma, like I said, is extension eligible, and he's probably looking for a big payday at a starting position. Whereas with Beasley, like we've kind of settled around what his market is. I wouldn't expect it to go up from where you know where it is moving forward, even though he only has one guaranteed year left, and he has done a better job than I even I expected at accepting that six man role. So. Um, if Kuzma came in and said, I have to be a starter and I, I need a new contract, I think that would be kind of a, a conversation ender in terms of, of those conver- that talk. Yeah, the only thing I would add there, though, is last summer, I think we would have, especially from the outside looking in, expected Beasley to have a similar attitude coming in yeah. to the Wolves, right. that he wanted to be a starter. So, you know, I think that could be softened, especially in the right situation. If Kuzma came here and, like, meshed really well with Finch like everyone else does, then maybe that, you know, just in a in a meeting with them or a conversation with them, then maybe that's less of a concern. I don't, you know, who knows, but yeah, it makes sense. All right, let's keep moving. We're going to move on to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, our favorite non ant draft pick of the 2020 draft Lamella ball uh, really holds down their only point guard spot on the team. They've got Terry Rozier as a small shooting guard, James Booknight, who they just drafted last year at shooting guard. Uh, Gordon Hayward and Kelly Oubre jr. Are both kind of there at small forward. Although neither, I feel like, has a guaranteed position on the team after this offseason. P.J. Washington is extension eligible. They've got Jaden McDaniel's brother, Jalen. So he's sitting, but I don't think he's, I think he's expiring as well, or at least a team option. Um, And then they really need help at center because Miles Plumlee has kind of been holding down that spot the last couple of years. So they, looks like they, you know, they really need a starting center. Um, They either need Gordon Hayward to be healthy or they need to replace him with somebody around the same the same dollar amount that will be healthy and available for them, and then they're going to need some help at point guard. You know, the Mello is going to hold down the fort. He's going to be their their aunt, their cat, you know, or whatever, but they really need help in those non-Lamello minutes. Yeah, it's another tricky... I mean, they should probably be talking to Orlando, right, with <laughs> all the bigs that Orlando has. I mean, that that's why I threw out last episode, too, of the, again, if, if you're really committed to bailing on the D'Lo situation, of seeing where they are on Gordon Hayward, because... That could be a spot where D'Lo would have a big role, you know, as that second guard to LaMelo. I get it. They need a backup point guard, but they could stagger the minutes like we did with D'Lo here, where D'Lo's the first sub off the floor and the first one back on with that second unit. Um, I, I think D'Lo and LaMelo are actually an interesting combo because they'd be a really big backcourt for the two of them, and uh, both can handle the ball, you know, that would be interesting. But short of that, I'd like it's hard to see any positions of players on this team that make sense in a deal with the Wolves from a Wolves specific mindset. Um, you know, they have honest, actually, I just there's not a lot on that roster I like. <laughs> now that I'm looking at it as a list. Yeah. I like, you know, I like LaMelo. Um, I like Hayward. I don't necessarily like Hayward with LaMelo. Um, I liked Boo Knight coming out. I was less, I, again, I haven't watched a lot of Charlotte games, but I, I wasn't as big on him watching the games that I did see with him. Um, Montrez, he's fine. You know, he's not like anybody I'd be excited to be building around. Um, so yeah, they're, they're kind of a hodgepodge of players right now. I think they're in a, in a transitional period, which is, you know, but to be expected, you know, they, they just got their face of the franchise a year ago. So yeah, you know, you're, you're sort of trying to figure out, who to, how to build around them because they, they got Hayward before they got LaMelo. So they that was their direction, and I think it's changed a little bit now that LaMelo has sort of become the guy. Um, now it's all about finding the right players to fit around him going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that the only reason that we keep bringing up D'Lo trades is from our previous conversation about how the, the Wolves just don't have a lot to trade. So if you're trying to look take a look at what we could offer in a deal, it, he's going to be consistently mentioned because it's the easiest way to put together something that's more than our two million dollar player for their two million dollar player that we have no idea if it'll make a difference but yeah um, my, my personal opinion is to, to hold pat and just roll back out there with d though you yeah know, and if i had to put money on it i'd say that's exactly what they're going to do i don't think yeah, it, it think would so. make a ton of sense yeah. but and you know if you're if you're taking a look at charlotte you can you could do d for gordon hayward um I tried squinting really hard at a D'Lo for Terry Rozier and P.J. Washington deal. Um, Washington would be a different type of power forward for us. He's been good for them. And, and he's a guy I like. I just I don't see them giving up on Washington. 
when yeah. they have such few bigs. Yeah, and I think that's that would they would then yes have to go out and find another big. They they already need to find a big, but if they're going to move off from Washington, the only question mark as it always is is with one year left before free agency, are are they going to look to pay him? Or is he a guy in their future plans? Or are they are they going to use him to kind of try to upgrade at a different position? Um, Rozier, I'm not a big fan of Rozier, but if the if the Wolves decided, you know what, we're going to move Pat Bev into that starting point guard spot and the, let Ant take over more of the playmaking responsibilities, and then we just need to have a guard like Rozier to come in and be a shooter, be a scorer whenever we need him. If you don't trust Noel to to take over that spot yet, he could have a role on this team, but that's a lot of money for for I think three more years. So um, it. I'm not. I wouldn't be a fan. I wouldn't be in love with with the deal, but I could also see the value play there of trying to diversify your assets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with Beverly, D'Lo, and McLaughlin on the roster already, the only guy I could see flipping Beasley for uh, for Rogier would be Beasley, and I don't think that makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense for us. Point guards we have so. No, I mean, I went through a little exercise in my mind of, like, would the Wolves be better off just starting Beasley rather than D'Lo next year? Not that D'Lo would accept a bench role, but with his need to have the ball in his hands and be one of those creators, you know, creating for himself guys to have one of one less of those guys in the starting lineup and just have a shooter around the others. You know, I was like, if we found a more of a facilitator to play that point guard spot, you know, to would it would the Wolves really be that much worse having Beasley on the floor than D'Lo next year and in the starting lineup? And that didn't go very far. I don't think the answer is yes, because Beasley isn't at the all-around the all around player that D'Lo is. But Yeah, I, I actually think it'd be, we'd be better with Beverly going to the bench and playing with Beasley off the bench mm-hmm. because it, it kind of hides Beasley's defense a little bit more. I think D'Lo's still a better defender than Beasley is. Yeah. Um, so I think because... As I said, like last time, I think by the the last quarter of the season and the playoffs, Beverly became a ball dominant guy. Like he, yeah, he was looking to create for himself, and that just exasperated the problem that we already had three of those guys on the floor. Now we have four. Um, I think we, I think like, and that's why I keep giving D'Lo a little bit more leash here, is because I think. Delo should be commended for he sacrificed more of his game than any of the other players on the team sacrificed. Like he didn't force as many shots as even up Beverly did. Not that Beverly was taking more than him, but Beverly was like taking them out of character shots than Delo was. Like, yeah, I think would be the way to describe it for me. And so, um, I, I, for me, the goal is still to get Jaden into the starting lineup at the three and move Ant to the two. Yeah, and I think Delo's still a better option to start the game than Beverly even in that situation and I, and I like Beverly coming off the bench with Beasley as yeah. well but yeah and my ultimate goal to get Jade in the starting lineup at the three ended that conversation with myself you know I was like it doesn't make sense to just swap around which guards which small guards we have starting it's we need to be bigger at different positions so all right let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks um another team that I you know what I honestly could not come up with any good trades any any even like potential trades with this team not because they don't have players that the Timberwolves could use but just because the rosters just don't match up that well like they need a backup point guard probably a defensive minded backup point guard behind Trey Young but if you're looking to trade Beasley like Atlanta doesn't want him they've already got Herder and Bogdanovich at that spot they and they're investing in Hunter at the small forward I don't know if long term if that's going to pay off with seems like he's stagnated a little bit but they've got that but then they've got Collins and Capella and Aquangu, you know, and as their big spots, the really only question for them is whether or not they're going to pay Gallinari this upcoming season and go into luxury tax or let him walk on his unguaranteed deal. But there, you know, there isn't really a trade you can make with them for Gallinari because then it just pushes them back into the luxury tax and they don't need the guards that we have to offer. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like you said, there are a number of guys on this team I like. I mean, we talked about it last year. I love John Collins. Yep. I really love DeAndre Hunter, although I don't think he's gettable anyway. Mm-hmm. I like Gallo. I don't love him, but I like him. Um, I like. I even like Gorgie still, like as a guy that could be back. You know, as a yeah. I, I noted him as a free agent possibility as well, coming off their roster. Yeah. Um, I don't hate Kevin Knox yet as a well. Yeah, and that's another decision they need to make as well, since right, they just traded right, for him. Right. 
so they have a bunch of guys that I like, but you're right. They don't have, we don't have anything they need. I mean, Beverly would fit there. Yeah. He would. I don't think, I guess, I guess if it got to a point where John Collins was really unhappy, which there were murmurs that he was unhappy with his role there diminishing. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was sort of trying to force his way out and we were looking to get better. I think some sort of deal around Beverly for Collins. Um, I don't know what else it would take to to make that deal better for them than any other deal they would get or offered. Yeah. Um, but I could see that maybe makes it again. It probably comes down to them requiring Jaden McDaniels and I wouldn't do that. So, um, but it, that's the only potential conversation. I, I even like Capella um, quite a yeah, bit as well. I, but... I, if they were ready to move off of Capella and give Okongwu the starting spot, I'd try that out as well. I think he'd fix a lot of our issues. He'd create others. It wouldn't be a perfect yeah. fit for what the, what, the way that he, we run he's around. He's a but... better offensive version than, of Vando. Yeah. So, he yeah, he creates some issues, but I don't think it's like... Our dramatic. defense would have to significantly change. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a, the difference. Yeah. Offensively, I think he'd... He'd fit right into that Vando spot, and he would help in ways on defense, but he would also create other issues. So they just need to have different defensive styles. So um, it wouldn't be perfect, but I think he has a lot of value, you know, especially in certain matchups. So um, yeah, like, like like you said, lots of guys that could fill a role, lots of guys that could help the Timberwolves in one way or another, in larger ways or smaller ways. You know, even Herder or Bogdanovich, depending on whether or not they the Wolves end up needing a shooter or a playmaker from a guard position. But right now, like. There just isn't something that's matched up. So one of these two teams is going to have to make a different deal in order to open up a, a hole that would facilitate facilitate a trade. Yep, or bring a third team in. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so then we're, we'll finish out with Miami. Uh, you know, Miami's still playing, I'd, which really does not lend them to be a good uh, let's take advantage of a weakness or of desperation team. Uh, they're you know they're trying to make their second NBA Finals in a, in three years. So. Uh, and along with that, not only are they not a team that's going to make a panic trade, but there's not a lot on their roster outside of their their big players. So there's not like Miami is always a team that's going to find guys who are going to contribute from nowhere. You know, Gabe Vincent or Max Struess or whatever it happens to be. But do I trust that Max Struess could come play for the Timberwolves and be valuable? No, I think it's a di- completely different culture. So. um whether you're looking at Kyle Lowry at point guard and their need to eventually have a backup plan for him or Harrow coming off the bench um, at shooting guard and needing a long-term contract deal. Butler's not going anywhere at small forward. Duncan Robinson's really the only player that I could see them moving off of since he hasn't had really a big role in the playoffs because it's just a different game than the regular season is. But why would the Timberwolves need another shooter that can't play in defense that they won't play in the playoffs? Um, yeah, or, or vice versa. Like, I mean, yeah. to me, I, I like Duncan Robinson and I would trade Beasley for him all day, but... Why would Miami do yeah. that? Like, you know. Right, they already got Tyler Harrow as a bench scorer. So um, they need a power forward, but we don't necessarily... They need to get younger, too. I mean, they, they got Bam and, and Hero. They're really the only young guys. I mean, like, how much longer is Jimmy going to be this version of Jimmy? Yeah. I, I think this is sort of his swan song, to be honest. Um, I mean, he misses already 15, 20, 25 games a season. Um, so I, I don't see him being this the force that he is right now so i think they just need to get younger somewhere i mean you know kyle lowry's at the end of his career um they're just like they're in a win now mode we don't have a lot of win now players outside of patrick beverly um so like let's say they come up short this season Mm -hmm. i could see them have an interest in patrick beverly to kind of be that backup to kyle lowry and and play more meaningful minutes and i think culturally he would fit in perfect there um, but there again, like, what do we get back that helps us that matches salary? I don't really see anything there. Yeah. I mean, unless one year of Kyle Lowry missing a bunch of games convinces you that he'd still be the perfect veteran point guard for the Timberwolves. I don't see them having anything that would make sense. Like, and I, I'm out on that. I, I love Kyle Lowry. I think he's been a big yeah. winner. I would have loved him a couple of years ago coming in kind of as a, you know, in that Phoenix Suns, Chris Paul molds to be the, the point guard to put a, a young team over the top. But he just has his body hasn't held up. I think at the end of the road is near for him. Yeah, and I you know to move off of D'Lo basically in order to get him. Yeah, I don't. I'm not there yet. 
No, the only the only name when looking at what who's currently on their roster that could be even semi interesting is Victor Oladipo. He's an unrestricted free agent this year. Miami kind of has invested in him over the last couple of years, trading for him, giving him a new contract to rehab on. I and maybe there's you know maybe there's a Joe Smith type deal underneath the table that he'll resign with them for longer once he's healthy. Maybe maybe he's just looking for the next big payday. And Miami was hoping to get one good year, you know, one good playoffs out of him. I don't know. He's always been a guy I've liked, but injuries have been have been rough on him so if he starts you know walking around asking for 15 to 20 million a year to be you know one of your lead guards again i think that'd be tough but he's i mean he's and, always, always going to be a name that yeah i him. like i like him as a player as well but where does he fit here it's a it's another undersized shooting guard we already got a bunch of those like he, i mean he, re- he'd have to be like the replacement for pat bev next year you know in a year sure. from now so if you needed he's he's a defensive guard but, you know a bigger but, defensive guard but yeah they're they're not that far off in age. So like you're replacing one for another one for a one that's maybe a year or two younger, who's got more injury history. Mm-hmm. So I, I, does that make sense? Probably not. Right. Um, you know, he does do some things better than Beverly, but he's, you know, yeah, I, I think it's problematic. He's another guy that's going to need the, the ball in his hands a lot. And like we talked last time, I want less of those guys on the floor because I want the ball in the hands of Anton Towns more. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's always seen himself as more of an offensive player than he really is. And if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he's, he can be a problematic, you know, fit on, on the, on the court. So, um, but yeah, like I said, I mean, we're getting into the, the elite teams in the NBA. So not only are they built to win now, but they're also, they don't have a whole lot of reason to be mixing up their roster. So it's, it's no surprise there are less trade ideas here than there were with some of the the worst teams. But, uh, you know, Chad, we're going to keep going. We're, we'll bring it back for our next episode and take a look at the Central Division in the Eastern Conference. You know, we'll, we'll talk through the Zach Levine equation in Chicago. We'll take a look at, you know, Detroit and what they're going to do now that they have the fifth pick. Indiana's got the sixth pick. So, you know, they have a lot of op- opportunities as well. We've always wanted to have the Miles Turner conversation a little bit more in depth. Um, and then Cleveland and uh, Milwaukee to round it out. So, uh, I'm excited for that. Chad, thanks for jumping on and talking about the, the league with me today. Yeah, no problem. Man. I'm looking forward to that one as well. I just number of guys from Detroit and Cleveland that I'm sort of interested in. So it'll be yeah. a fun conversation. Absolutely. Let's do it again. Sounds good, man. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye.